Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey everyone, it's Dave here with a short but exciting announcement. Some of you will know that we do a spin-off Patreon-only podcast called Phrasing the Bar, where we chronologically go through the films of Brendan Fraser. Now, to be honest, we've watched some early shockers and have been counting down to The Mummy, which we'll cover in September. And what better way to celebrate one of the greatest action films of the 90s, nay, all time, by screening the film in its entirety at Lido Cinemas in Hawthorne and then afterwards recording an episode of Phrasing the Bar about The Mummy in the cinema. Until now, that has been but a dream. But we are actually doing that Friday, September 10th at 7pm. We had a pre-sale for our Patreon supporters and sold a quarter of the tickets in the first day. And it's allocated seating, so if you want to choose where you like to sit in the cinema, I would get on it soon. And you can get tickets at lidocinemas.com.au slash mummy, or click the link in the description of this episode. The Mummy in a cinema and then phrasing the bar live in that same cinema. We hope to see you there. Honestly, it is a dream come true. Okay, that's it for me. Enjoy this episode recorded live at the European Beer Cafe. It's the last of the live ones we did in Melbourne. We'll be back with a studio episode next week. And I think Jess will be back to talk to you at the end of this episode. But until then, enjoy. Love yous. Fuck yeah, I love how I uh, said Melbourne like I'm an international superstar. <laughs> I live here. Hello, people I probably know personally. How are you? Great, thank you so much for coming out. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky. Could you please put those hands together and welcome to the stage, Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins! Yeah! Fuck you. Hello, Melbourne! Yes! <laughs> we did it. We did it. We got out here once again. <laughs> Can you believe it? Everyone comfortable out there? 
Matt was uh, You're saying out. this from row two. I'm yeah. talking about the poor assholes in the back who didn't get a seat. <laughs> Matt, you, Matt was bringing out extra seats. Did everyone get one? If oh, you well. Did. Sucked in. <laughs> Turn up sooner, fuckheads. <laughs> that was everyone but one person missed out. Musical chairs, you lost. There's, a, there's two stools over there. I need that one. Oh. <laughs> I've gone mean too early. Um. Mean girl. <laughs> this is the end of the festival. Can you believe it? I know. Matt, you're, you're all done. You've done 22 stand-up shows this month. Yeah. Wow. I, I went to every single one. It was weird when they uh, named the most outstanding show. They misspoke and <laughs> accidentally pronounced my name Geraldine Hickey. And it was... Well, that's oh. weird. I still went up and accepted it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year. Yeah. In the, for the people who don't know, I'm I'm not as good as her. All right. Um, they know. Well, I mean, there's there's an <laughs> there is is at least one award to help prove that, um, which they misspoke my name for. Uh, two people leaving because they had tickets to Geraldine Hickey. <laughs> Enjoy, she's great. Couple she's of spare seats up here. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope they ha- are in the wrong show. Yeah. <laughs> That's so that would make so sense funny. why we're so overcrowded is because yeah. those two people. Yeah. <laughs> it is warm in here. You gonna take it off? Oh Jesus! <laughs> which which. Which, Not this again. Which bit? Um, uh, your, your, your pants, obviously. It. You call pants it? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Hey, uh, is everyone uh, having a good time? <laughs> uh, so this is the fourth and final podcast that we're doing. Uh, Ever. The, yeah. <laughs> Episode four. We did well. Yeah, we're done. We did well. Uh, give me a round of applause if you've ever heard the podcast before. <laughs> Thank you. I know you have. You... Fantastic. Uh, has anyone ever, ever not heard the show? Ever not heard ever... the show? Has anyone ever spent any time not listening to the show? <laughs> no, give me a round of applause if you've never heard Do Go On before. A few people. Thank you so okay. much. Was that the bar staff? Because <laughs> we have subjected you to many weeks of this shit. <laughs> uh, well, usually what we do is uh, one of us awkwardly explains the show, but Matt, we don't have to do that tonight. No, well, Dave, a while back, you put the call out uh, to people to record songs. <laughs> you fucking To help explain nerds. the show. And this morning, I remembered we haven't got through most of them. <laughs> put the call out. Can we have a 60s style jingle that explains how the show works? Nearly none of them have been 60s style. But Still. And to be honest, most of them haven't been jingles. And a lot of them don't particularly well explain the show. But... Um, <laughs> We've got another one. This one was sent in about six months ago. <laughs> Hit it, Julio! One, two, oh. one, two, three, four. One of them starts it by gathering knowledge. It's often a topic is chosen by you. They write a report and then ask us a question. And that starts a journey that we all go through when it's you go. came in from James Sampson and he all he said was please enjoy <laughs> well we did, James, James we did we, we did. did very much um, so did, does that explain the show to everyone out there <laughs> great all right we can start the show Wasn't they feel yes. more confused than before yeah. <laughs> I couldn't understand a word of it but that's probably a foldback issue it's a technical thing anyway um, <laughs> So, we're taking it in terms of report on a topic. It's Jess's turn to do the report we love, JP. I wouldn't if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, everything's fine. And we always start with a question. Uh, Jess has definitely written that, right? Yeah, just before. Okay. Um, 
So my question is, um, which children's book caused a worldwide frenzy? Ooh. Sigmund Freud. <laughs> He's trying to say someone else. You're trying to think of <laughs> Dr. Dr. Seuss? Seuss. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Matt's version of a Freudian slip is to accidentally say <laughs> Sigmund Freud. <laughs> <laughs> is it Dr. Seuss? No. Oh. Um, May Gibbs. I don't think you're going to know it, but oh, keep going if you like. Um, I'm almost out. May Gibbs and Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Two great guesses. End of list. Um, or Enid Blyton. It's not Enid Blyton. <laughs> Don't think you would have known it. Have you heard of the Masquerade Treasure Hunt? No. Anybody in here heard of it? No. Golden Hair Treasure Hunt is another, another name for it. Golden Books, I remember them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, Matt. <laughs> I, I, no, I know nothing about this. Well, you're gonna. Because that's how this show works. Thank you. We've been doing this for five years. <laughs> Still, we need a theme song to explain <laughs> it. We can't, we can't explain it. Okay, so. Okay. In the mid-70s, a publisher by the name of Tom Mashler, who had previously been involved in publishing the work of many notable authors, including Ernest Hemingway, John Lennon, <laughs> Ian McEwan and Salman Rushdie, he approached artist and author Kit Williams and challenged him to create a picture book and do something no one had ever done before. A picture book? Yeah. Really? This is the first picture book? <laughs> well, that, that, would cause, that would cause a stir. Yeah. So this is before Spot. <laughs> Bloody hell. This goes a while back. this before Richard Scary? Yeah. Freaking hell. Talk about... <laughs> May I? Please, do go on. <laughs> so Kit was initially hesitant. He was concerned that he would put a lot of effort into his artwork and people would just flick through the pages and not really pay attention. Um, so he set out to create a book titled Masquerade, Masquerade... The readers would carefully study rather than just flipping through the pages. He's like, if I'm going to spend all this time working on these very intricate pieces of art, you're going to look at them, you know, because he's bitter. <laughs> he literally said, if I was to spend two years on 16 paintings for Masquerade, I wanted them to mean something. So he came up with a story about a hare named Jack. <laughs> Jack Hare. Right. <laughs> Last name. A and single his follicle. Species. Interesting. I knew fucking writing this. I knew. I was like, look, we'll I mean, make I'm, some I'm, all I'm meant joke. to do is to say dumb things, <laughs> and then I say it, and you're like, oh, look, here he goes. I knew he would. How about a bit of support? <laughs> I thought that was my whole job. <laughs> you, could try, you, you could try shutting the fuck up. <laughs> Funny how hard that is. <laughs> Jack Hare. And Jack Hare seeks to carry treasure from the moon to the sun. This guy is taking himself very seriously. A little too seriously. Upon reaching the sun, Jack finds that he's lost the treasure and the reader is then challenged to figure out where the treasure is. I said that like a pirate, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with pirates. <laughs> Just trying to make it interesting. Yar. <laughs> he said, I recalled how as a child I'd come across treasure hunts in which the puzzles were not exciting nor the treasure worth finding. <laughs> so I decided to make a real treasure of gold buried in the ground and paint real puzzles to lead people to it. So that's what he did. Along with the book, he created an 18-carat gold pendant in the shape of a hair Inset with ruby, mother of pearl and moonstones. The pendant was valued at around £5,000. This is in the mid-70s too. So he sealed the hair in a small ceramic casket, <laughs> both to protect the prize from soil and to make it difficult to locate using a metal detector. So he's like, he's trying to make it really hard. <laughs> well, Who's so he... this aimed at? Huh? 
This is aimed at children. <laughs> Kids. Yeah, but remember... Don't want them getting out there with their metal detectors. (laughs) (laughs) They're kids these days. Always out there with their metal detectors. Trying to find treasure. I saw a lady last week, an adult lady. (laughs) So, and you were... Oh, not a child lady. (laughs) No, in a... Oh, not a dog lady. (laughs) In a children's playground with a metal detector. Kids are playing all around her. She's just listening and she's got the shovel out. Just starts digging up the kids' playground around them. What'd she find? Uh, probably nothing. You didn't stick around yeah, to find I out. Just, the hole was quite deep. <laughs> Did she fill it in? Kids probably fell in there. Who knows? That was the real treasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was building a trap. <laughs> the real treasure is the kids we heard yeah. along the way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a foolproof plan because the cops rock up. They're like, why are you digging this like three-foot deep hole at the bottom of the slide? And she goes, oh, I'm looking for treasure. Really? She's just maiming children. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so he's put this little rabbit in a, in a little casket. And They're the... actually... Hares and rabbits are different. I'm going to fucking... <laughs> <laughs> One's a follicle. <laughs> and the casket had a little inscription. It said, I am the keeper of the jewel of masquerade, which lies waiting safe inside me for you or eternity. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, a bit weird. So once everything's ready to go, Kit and a witness... <laughs> he needed a witness... So they chose TV presenter and author Bamba Gascioni. Oh, is that the guy from the... <laughs> from the... from Jackass? <laughs> no, the Jackass guy? <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> That's cool. Wow, Bam from they got Jackass. Bam from Jackass. <laughs> wow. They secretly buried the hair in its little casket in Amphill Park, about an hour north of London. Probably saying that wrong. Anfield Park, home of the Liverpool? No. Arsenal. <laughs> Arsenal? No. No. Oh, there's no sport. There's how many people in this room? No one knows that. Matt, you're thinking of Anfield. Okay. <laughs> now, what did you say? Amphill. Amphill. Oh, that is a... Amphill. I wasn't just thinking Amphil. of Anfield. I was hearing Anfield. <laughs> You don't have a microphone. <laughs> good, yeah, no, good one. <laughs> I didn't know. He, he felt instant regret and it was only because you were looking at him. <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't want this. I saw what happened when you said something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no. I'm shitting myself as well, honestly. I reckon we can, we'll get through this report together, everyone. I really threw you under the bus there. No, what, whatever you said, Jess was going to fuck you. <laughs> so, so there, it's... Up, fuck you up, fuck you up, fuck you up. Quite an important bit of that <laughs> sentence left out. <laughs> you are going to regret this. I will fuck you. <laughs> Up, up, fuck you up. <laughs> so it's an hour north of London. <laughs> Nowhere near Liverpool. Nowhere, Nowhere near. near it. But is Anfield is Liverpool though? Yeah. Great. So, <laughs> do you like Sorry. how I turn on the crowd and they're all going? We all know that's in Liverpool, but that's a different thing. <laughs> they didn't believe that. I was <laughs> so glad you're in the front row. The jock of the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so they've buried it. Great, they've buried it. Bam Margera has buried it. Fantastic. <laughs> Great work. He did, like, dacked himself afterwards. <laughs> it was very cool. Bottle rocket up the jut. Yeah. <laughs> the jut. <laughs> just coined a term there. He, just, he vomits on the box. <laughs> they love vomiting, those guys. Yeah, they, they love, love it. it. The vomit at the drop of a hat. A hat. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Bam. 
<laughs> his it. TV show used to open with, what's he going to do next? And he goes, whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> Very, and I yeah. want to yeah. vomit on everything. <laughs> Pretty sure he's been to rehab about nine times now, so <laughs> did not work out well for him. Please do go on. So, now that it's buried, Kit publicly announced that his soon-to-be-published book contained clues to find a real-life treasure. He said that the clues in the book were enough for any person to be able to find the precise location within a few inches, he said. (laughs) Big fan of uh, units of measurement (laughs) humour. Honestly, a few inches, that's quite a a big amount of... (laughs) That's quite quite sizable. (laughs) Can we narrow it down a bit? (laughs) Couldn't even imagine anything that big. The only <laughs> The only extra information he provided was that the hair was buried on public property that could be easily accessed. And not wanting to exclude people outside of the UK, Kit announced that he would accept and honour the first correct answer sent to him by post. So if somebody can't go to that park to dig it up, but if they get it right, they win. Immediately upon release, the book was a worldwide hit, selling tens of thousands of copies within the first few days. An airline even sold transatlantic masquerade tickets, which came with a free spade on arrival. (laughs) For the dog. (laughs) (laughs) That's something... I'd have never had a pet. I've heard that said, you spade your dogs. (laughs) You don't do it... You do not do it with a shovel. Was that nearly anything? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was something, nearly something. <laughs> nearly. A few inches away. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty far. <laughs> In total, the book sold around two million copies worldwide. It was huge. What followed was honestly quite a bit of destruction of public property. <laughs> that, that, that lady I saw in South Yarra is still looking. She's going. She's like, it's out there. <laughs> Oh, in South Yarra. Now I understand why she's digging around. Yeah, Kids will drop their gold foblets and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You know kids and their foblets. I didn't realise you were talking... Kids these days with their foblets. (laughs) In the affluent east, every kid's got at least one or two gold foblets. Yeah. (laughs) What's a foblet look like? Oh, I've never seen them, but in my dreams. Beautiful. Uh Elegant. Yep. Phantasmagorical. (laughs) Thanks for that. It's a great question. I thought well answered. (laughs) So people just started digging up public and private property, um, usually just based on a hunch. Um, One spot, which is called Haresfield Beacon, became such a popular dig site that Kit had to pay for a sign saying that the hair was not buried there. (laughs) People were like, it's got hair in it. Locations from the painting in the book were searched and dug up too, but to no success. A couple of years went by, no one had successfully located the treasure. Kit Williams, though, was probably regretting his choices as he was receiving more than 200 letters a day from all over the world and had to read through all of them in case someone had accurately cracked the code and pinpointed the location. So he's got to, at a bare minimum, like, speed read it, you know? He's got to, like, skim. Yeah, that's a nightmare. Yeah, it's not good. Um, and he said, I was unprepared. It really got out of hand very quickly. <laughs> it became sort of a cult. And because of that, people read much more into it than I'd put there, he said. <laughs> people felt I'd included their dead grandfather, that sort of thing. <laughs> it never stops, he said. What, a, what, is that, what does that mean? <laughs> Just that people are reading way too much into it. And adding, like, it's like that confirmation bias thing. You know, you can make anything you think work. I don't know. But they thought the treasure was their dead grandfather. <laughs> the real treasure is the grandfathers we had along the way. <laughs> uh, or are people digging up their grandfathers? His grandpa's got the treasure. Yeah. He, if he doesn't have the treasure, he has the truth. Tell me, grandfather. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> They're losing their mind. <laughs> You'll find the treasure down on Anfield Way. <laughs> Granddad? 
All right, speaking of as well, let's talk about the code for a second because it was elaborate. <laughs> oh, I think you were to say a lie. <laughs> <laughs> the book contained 16 painted illustrations. Each one had a border which contained words or phrases in it. Gives me, um, like, looking at pictures, it gave me um, Graham Bass vibes. Does I was just that? thinking yeah. Graham Bass, the 11th hour. Yeah. So this guy was even before Graham Bass. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that kind of thing, you know how there was, like, words or numbers around the outside? Beautiful artwork. Time? Yeah. There's peacocks, elephants, lions, tigers, bears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> So, Dave, you're the intellectual here. Um, but, I mean, by not, comparison. Uh, not based on Enderschool, <laughs> yeah. so... Um. Okay. And we're literally all here doing the same job. <laughs> I know. But, yeah, good on you. I'm hoping you do it on your economics class, you fucking tosser. <laughs> I was taking pretty little pictures and dancing around a stage, and I'm still here. I wasted those years. Yeah. <laughs> And you're wasting these ones. <laughs> but we're doing it together. Um, Dave, see if you can understand... Or Matt, I guess. Um, <laughs> As if. <laughs> see if you can understand. This is from Wikipedia and this is how it explains um, how the code works. Okay. In each painting, a line must be drawn from each depicted creature's left eye through the longest digit on its left and out to one of the letters in the page border. Then from the left eye through the longest digit of the left foot, the right eye through the longest digit on the right hand and finally the right eye through the longest digit on the right foot. Your right or my right? (laughs) (laughs) This is done only for eyes and digits that are visible in the painting. The letters indicated by these lines can be made to form words. Does any of that make sense? Yes, I've got it. It's in Anfield. (laughs) (laughs) Dig it up. (laughs) Basically, you have to go left eye, left hand, right eye, right hand, left eye, left foot, right eye, right foot. Draw lines. We're playing Twister Playing Twister, yeah. (laughs) Left hand red. And then you get like, do you get coordinates or you get words? So you follow that line to the border... And whatever letter it points to, you then use that letter to form a word. Okay. To then, it makes a whole big code. <laughs> Obviously, we'd all kids. think we'd all think to do that, you yeah. know. Straight away, you'd be like, "All right, well, I'm gonna draw a line all over it and yeah. figure out the coordinates." So following this method reveals 15 words or short phrases, which together form a 19-word message. That message is Catherine... Wait, how ma- wait, say that again. How many words form a 19-word message? 15 words or short phrases, it says. That's dumb. Okay, yeah, right. 19-word right. message. Okay, here we go. Catherine's long finger overshadows <laughs> earth-buried yellow amulet midday, points the hour in light of equinox, look you. Oh, yeah. Come on, guys, use your heads. Right. Well, we all know where it is. Easy peasy. My dead grandfather's name is Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> if you take the first letter of each of these words, it spells out close by Amphil. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many levels. For, and this is aimed at what, four and five year olds? Yeah. <laughs> did, did a single child read this picture book? God, no. No. But a lot of adults did. Wow. But it's, it's art, man. If you manage to crack all those clues, they would tell you that the treasure is buried in Amphil Park in Bedfordshire near the park's cross-shaped monument of Catherine of Aragon, the first wife of Henry, of Henry VIII. VIII. yes. Also the, <laughs> also the wife of his brother. A little bit weird. <laughs> the brother died, but, you know. Still, you know. There were less people back then. You had less choice. That's why they all got the same names. It's like, just didn't have as many options. (laughs) He just married your brother's wife. Anyway. You never touch. (laughs) I was about to. I hate this already. I was about to make the mistake of quoting Billy Brownless, and I thought better of it. Yeah. (laughs) I've, I've noticed during this run of my show, people don't always get when I'm being ironic. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say that people don't always appreciate your Billy Brandless quotes <laughs> that you live your life by. He famously said, you never touch a man's wallet or a man's wife. <laughs> said that out loud in public. Anyway. <laughs> bit of fun. I mean, don't touch people, you know? <laughs> like in a weird way. Don't go up to anyone and go like... You know? Is that what you do to wallets? Hmm? Are you tonguing wallets? It's, the weird thing was to me that he equated his wife with what I believe to be an inanimate object. The wallet. Because obviously the wallet's worth more. All right. Um, <laughs> lost a few of you there. <laughs> Even with that irony warning I did moments ago. Uh, a couple of edit requests for this week's nah. episode. Yeah, I request you edit out the irony warning. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So, yeah, obviously, if you've cracked all those incredibly easy clues, uh, you'd know that it's near Catherine of Aragon's uh, monument at the precise spot touched by the tip of the monument's shadow at noon <laughs> on the day of either the March or September equinox. Fucking hell. Obviously. Uh, I'm a bit embarrassed I've had to explain this to you guys. <laughs> that that right? park is fucked. Yeah. People are just getting in there with a bulldozer. <laughs> Just ripping it up. I genuinely can picture you as a child. Goggles on. <laughs> Pencil behind the ear. Calculator out. You would have I Doing you taxes nodded this. and then in his downtime reading this <laughs> Once you finish your parents' taxes, yeah. then you move on. <laughs> oh, it looks like you're in the red again, Dad. Sorry about that. <laughs> We're going to need to work on a budget, young man. <laughs> So on the 21st of December 1980, almost 18 months after the book was published, the Sunday Times published an additional clue to the puzzle, a drawing created by the author Kit Williams. The drawing needed to be cut out, folded in half, and then you needed to shine a light through it, and then it could be read in a mirror. <laughs> Obviously. It's the first thing you do. <laughs> the message read... To do my work, I appointed four men from 20, the tallest and the fattest, and the righteous follow the sinister. Now, again, sorry to pander to you guys. You all obviously know exactly what that means. Yes, we do. And it's like yawn, Sinister but... means left hand. I yeah, know that. yeah. Um... <laughs> all right. Um... <gasps> there it is! <laughs> it was there all along.
<laughs> oh, what does that mean? That, that, that coded message? It means the four men from 20 refers to four fingers and toes out of 20 digits. The tallest and the fattest relates to using the longest digits. The righteous follow the sinister provides a clue to decoding of the letter order. So left eyes through left fingers and toes first, then righteous surely, right. Surely the fattest is the thumb. This guy's on fucking crack. <laughs> I think they're kind of similar. In fatness? Yeah. Does that mean they're all fat or they're all skinny? Not to give myself a complex. I mean, it's not my value, but... <laughs> Is this message... Like, the, the times... Thumbs are famously the fattest on the hand. What are you talking about? This is tedious. But I won't stop fucking thinking about it. I think they're about the same. They all look the same. No. Show us, show us. (laughs) Is everyone having a go out there or...? (laughs) They literally are. Now, my question is, is this backwards code through the mirror stuff, is that the author has authorised it or yeah. the Times have worked it out and then they're trying to tease me? No, 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 he did that drawing. Oh, OK, right, because no one's No one's it. got it. It's been 18 months, nobody's got it. But still, even with that incredibly helpful clue, no one found the treasure. Until... <gasps> March of 1982, Kit Williams received a letter and in that letter was a crudely drawn map which he recognised to be the location of the buried treasure. Someone had cracked the code. Ooh. (laughs) Was it Matt? Did Matt do it? Was it Matt? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I sent him a picture tracing around my... Is that it? (laughs) Crudely drawn. Crudely drawn. Crudely drawn. Well, it's hard because I was using my wrong hand. Yeah. (laughs) Looks quite a lot like a dick in balls, actually. Quite a decently sized one, as well. <laughs> yeah, if you ask me, but... <laughs> Nobody asked. Kit called the person who'd sent him the letter, and that was a man named Ken Thomas. Kit said the man had correctly identified the location and that Ken should go dig it up. But in talking to Ken, Kit got the feeling that Ken actually had no idea what he was talking about. He said... He instantly real- I instantly realised that Thompson knew where the hair was, but not how to solve the puzzle. Ooh. He hadn't worked out the clues. It was almost like it was a lucky guess. Oh. Nonetheless... Like, it, like that many people guessing. It's like the monkeys writing the story thing. <laughs> you get enough people guessing where a treasure is, someone's going to luck onto it, right? Like a, the monkeys? Like the monkeys. <laughs> For the blurst of time. Blurst of time. Blurst of yes. time. yes. Thousand monkeys writing on a thousand computers for a thousand years. They'll write a thousand copies of Shakespeare's Blurst of Times. Beautiful. Famous. Is that right? Oh, someone's groaning real hard, Dave. <laughs> Can you correct me? Because that was close. Yeah, that's close enough. Yeah. There's something about a thousand monkeys writing on a thousand typewriters for a thousand. Eventually they'll type it out. Yeah. They'll type the works of Shakespeare. <laughs> or the map to this. Yeah. Thing. So your so your your guess early is that it's a monkey. <laughs> is she listening? <laughs> a thousand monkeys. <laughs> in, in fairness, that's always your first guess. <laughs> yeah. I'll stop you right there. Um, I'm thinking a thousand monkeys on this one. Glen Ridge. <laughs> he used to have sale of the century and um in that act out there, I was... <laughs> I buzzed in on 1994's Sale of the Century. <laughs> he wasn't far into the question. I said, I'll hold you there, Glen Ridge. A thousand monkeys. The and question then... <laughs> was, who was the fullback in the <laughs> AFL Team of the Century? It was, of course, Stephen Silvani, but... <laughs> it was too late. I'd already locked in a thousand monkeys and... Um... I'm going to go have a piss. (laughs) (laughs) 
see you soon. All right. What do you reckon we get through some of the story now? They paid money for this. I know. Thank you so much, by the way. Nonetheless. Uh, so this guy's called up and said... I found it. And then he he's has talking no to him and he's idea. like, I mean, you have, but you don't know anything. But so nonetheless, Ken Thomas was awarded the prize, which was a big deal in international media. Ken, however, shunned the publicity. This is from the BBC. It says, he was filmed with Williams as he freed the hair from the wax case. All right. But later insisted on covering his face with a scarf and would only be interviewed from behind a screen. <laughs> He refused to exhibit his treasure. He was like, I don't like the, I don't like the spotlight. I get that, you know, I'm shy. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. You never let anywhere, anyone know where you are every week for four weeks in a row. You yeah, never do I would that. never do that. <laughs> oh, my God. We're all wondering. I reckon you didn't even We were go. all wondering. You just went out there, waited for the appropriate amount of time so you could come back on and get that applause. <laughs> what I really needed was a, a break from talking. Um, <laughs> I could I see it. how Jess was looking at me. <laughs> no, and I I'm wanna... like, I'm on the edge of no, no, ruining no. our friendship. friendship. No, it's not you. I, I not... want to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, it's, that's nice. That's for the first time in a while when I've called it a friendship and Jess hasn't said, mm. Colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting closer. <laughs> uh, to, to get you up to speed in the story, the guy's found the treasure, but now he doesn't want to be seen with the treasure, the guy who found it. Yeah, he's like, oh, I, don't want the, I don't want the attention. Oh, this is sounding a bit Monopoly heist. He's doing an interview from behind a screen. Mm. <gasps> it's a bit Wizard of Ozzy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a very booming voice. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, fans of the book grew very suspicious of Ken Thomas. And later, Kit Williams as well, with many claiming it had been rigged and they'd been cheated of the chance to win. They're like, this guy, sus, and now you're sus. Everyone's sus. That, do, that does sound... That sounds a bit sus, right? Yeah. It, you're thinking it is... Well, you know. You're thinking, you're thinking it's Kit Richards pretending to be Kent Brockman? <laughs> or whoever they are. So close. A couple of substitutions there. Um, but I think we understand what he means. Um... I no, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it's that sus. Only because the author said um, it sounded like he didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Oh well, if it right. was his mate, he wouldn't have said that. Yeah, about yeah. right. Yeah, that's true. It was a, a private conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah he wouldn't point. have said. Oh. He would have been like, yeah, he he explained all yeah. the code to me, yeah, and I was like, like oh, brother. Yeah, he sounds like a drunk. Yeah. Um, so soon after Thomas was, oh no, uh, oh no, soon after. <laughs> Oh, boy. Because uh, you, you said Thomas, not Brockman. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Soon after Brockman was formally awarded the prize, Kit Williams received a correct solution to the puzzle sent in by physics teachers Mike Barker and John Rosso. They had accurately deciphered the clues but had failed to find the treasure when they went to dig it up. Some believed they did actually dig it up but failed to see it and Ken Thomas swooped in and managed to find it in the piles of dirt that the physics teachers had left behind. Oh, but the prize, had been, the prize had been awarded to Ken Thomas and that was the end of that. Or was it? Oh. <laughs> well played, audience. You guys I really good. hope it was the end. Yeah. <laughs> no, like seriously, guys. So we've got to exit out the back. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming. <laughs> no, so six years later, the Sunday Times printed a story accusing the winner of the masquerade contest of being a fraud. Ken Thomas was revealed to be a pseudonym of a man called Dougald Thompson. Dougald. Dougald. Okay. Guys, there is a man named Dougald listening to this right now, crying. Because you just laughed at his name. It's just a name. He's used to it. Have you heard? You're a fucking savage. Dougald. He deserves it! I think I think his name's actually just Dougal, and what's happened is this, the society has been Dougaled by this man. I think that's what's happened. See, I what? didn't have to say anything then, because they said, what? 
So I've, tu I've turned his name Dougal yeah. into a, a verb. And, and what he, does it mean? Well, it means that he's stolen the treasure, which is now why everyone says, oh, you've been Dougal. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's where it comes from. I, I'm actually getting sick of having to break this down into baby talk for you, Jess. It's about time you grew up. You're 30 years old. <laughs> apparently, apparently, <laughs> you behave like a child. <laughs> I mean, at least I can hold on for a whole hour. Well, that's actually, actually, the we more mature the you get... we got to get the old man oh. into nappies. <laughs> yeah, so you're saying I'm immature because I, my bladder's like an old man? <laughs> you can have it one way or the other, but you can't have it both. I have a very mature bladder. <laughs> so Ken Thomas, not a real person. He is Dougald Thompson. Oh. His business partner was a man named John Gard, whose girlfriend was Veronica Robertson. Veronica Robertson was the ex-girlfriend of Kit Williams. What? Boo, yes. The Sunday Times alleged that while living with Williams... Veronica Robertson, uh, Robertson had learned the approximate physical location of the hair while remaining ignorant of the proper solution to the book's main puzzle. So she's like, I know where it is. I don't know any of the bloody tricks and little clues, but I know where it is. So they essentially guessed it was probably there, so went out looking for it with metal detectors, which we know Kit had thought of, and that didn't work. So their search didn't really work, so they sent Kit a crude sketch of the area... And he got back to them and said, yeah, that's the area. <laughs> so the prize had gone to some dirty cheats. In those six years in between... Can you, just for, not for me, but for anyone here, <laughs> for anyone here who missed it, could you break down exactly how they cheated? The author's ex-girlfriend yes. is involved and she knew where it was. Right, so the author didn't know, but the ex-girlfriend... The author who came up with it did know where it was. <laughs> So he did the dirty on himself. No. <laughs> His ex-girlfriend's passed on some info. Mm. So that the money can come... Wait, I don't understand. <laughs> so the author is in on it or no. it's not on it? No, no, no. That, isn't that what I said? No. What did I say? <laughs> no one knows what you said. <laughs> Fucking hell. This might be the night... <laughs> ..that I make some changes. <laughs> Look, I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. Matt's going to start wearing turtlenecks. <laughs> uh, Fancy. Actually, I'm going to change my voice as well. Ooh. That's fun. I'm going to start a start-up. <laughs> we support you. But not financially in your start-up. So... Uh, I am taking investors. <laughs> in those six years between... Between Another winning, piss coming on. <laughs> in those six years between winning and this article coming out, Dougal Thompson uh, had founded a software company called Hairsoft. Bit on the nose. Using the hair pendant as collateral to set up his business. The company developed a computer game called Hair Razor and offered the golden hair as a prize for completing the game and cracking the code. So it was like its own little puzzle again. The game takes the form, takes the form of a series of uh, graphic screens depicting grass, sky and trees with occasional text clues. The only interaction is pressing the cursor keys. You can go up, down, left or right and sometimes the screen changes. A lot Sounds of the awesome. time it does not. Um, many believe it to be unsolvable <laughs> with only meaningless text and graphics. There are no hints as to how the puzzle can be solved. Um, it, it's, people have looked into it a lot and they're like, this makes no sense. Um, it's also broken, up in, also broken up into two parts, so players had to buy both Hair Razor Prelude and Hair Razor Finale in order to crack the code. The company said they released it in two parts to make it fun yep. and to enable competitors of all ages to participate because people of all ages can't just buy one game. 
was definitely done to make money. They also claimed that an additional clue was revealed in Harrods by TV personality uh, Anika, Annika Rice. This From appearance... Jackass? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Jackass. I'm in Harrods. I'm going to set fire to this fur coat. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I've been to Harrods one time. Yeah. Very expensive. Whoa. Um, Whoa. So, yeah, they were like, oh, there was a clue. She revealed a clue, but this appearance at Harrods wasn't publicised or recorded. So unless you just happened to be passing by at that exact moment, it was completely useless. What? So when was this game? This was um, in the early 80s. Right. So this is like early days of video games, I'm guessing. Mm. Yeah, right. that sounds kind of like most video games back then. You can push up, down, left or right, yeah. not much happens. You're That's talking true. about it like in today's computering. Well, at least like uh, with Pong, um, <laughs> you could score points or something. This one just does absolutely nothing. Funnily enough, the game did not sell well and the company went into liquidation. Oof. And even funnier, no one had managed to solve the puzzle, which is crazy. Um, so the golden hair had gone unclaimed. So with the company in liquidation, the golden hair was sold in 1988. It sold for £31,900 to an anonymous buyer. Its creator, Kit Williams, had gone there himself to bid but was outbid by about £25,000. <laughs> <laughs> so close. He's like, I've got like 6 k Oh, we're at ten. Oh, bye-bye. So for over 20 years, the whereabouts of the hair was unknown. But in 2009, BBC Radio 4 program The Grand Masquerade told the story of the creation and solution of the puzzle. And the present, um, Kit Williams was interviewed and it was the first time he'd spoken of the scandal in 20 years. He, he never did any interviews until this time. During the interview, he said he wished he could see the hair just one more time. Wants to see it again. Hearing this, the granddaughter of its then current owner, an anonymous purchaser based in the Far East, is all the information they gave. Okay. What year was this? <laughs> this is in 2009. Far East. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. Okay. It was, a, it was a different time, guys. Arranged. So the granddaughter arranged for Kit Williams to be reunited briefly with his work. Briefly, they took it back. They got eight seconds. Yeah. There you go, have a look. Who wrote? (laughs) And this is what he said. He said, I'd not remembered it being as delicate as it is. Then when I picked it up and the little bells jingled and it sparkled in a way that I'd forgotten as well. (laughs) They could have given him anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that a bit of fun? (laughs) But there was kind of no, like, no resolution... What, even once they figured out that the people who had won had done it in a dodgy way, it was just kind of like, oh, there you go. Because I suppose oh, they got away with it. Yeah. Well, is it wouldn't be illegal or anything like that, would no, it? No, no, I mean, yeah, they... It's a private competition. Yeah. And so that's the anticlimactic end. Oh. I still have not figured out what happened, so... <laughs> Look, I reckon um, go so the, listen to this podcast. Yeah. But the, the author's ex-girlfriend, she just... Happened to know, and she then told the information of this other guy. Yeah. And, and they, then he uh, claimed it. And they yeah. had a vague guess, and the right. author was like, oh, you've solved it. Oh, oh poor yeah. bastard. Without actually solving any of the puzzle <laughs> oh, part. Oh, that sucks. Which was the fun, apparently. <laughs> which no one was ever going to do. No, still. no one was ever going to do it. Well, I mean, those physics teachers did, so actually, yeah. But they didn't get the prize. They didn't get it. They should have got the prize. They should have got it, yeah. This little trinket. Which sounds like a piece of shit, to be honest. <laughs> I wanted to say it earlier, but you seem so proud of it. It sounds like a piece of shit. I didn't, I'm not proud. I didn't make it. It does I didn't want to say like to you, Jess. I didn't want to break your heart. <laughs> but it sounds like a piece of shit. <laughs> little fucking... It sounds like something you'd get on one of those... What are those little... Little keychains with little things that people keychains. wear? Pandora's box. Pandora. A charm bracelet. Is that what you're going charm for? Charm bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> he got there. <laughs> Through Jess. I loved that story. Me too. That was that was Me three. Me as well. 
Did you all love that story? Let's give it up for Jess Perkins. A great report. All right. Just a glimpse behind the curtain here. I knew what the topic was going to be tonight. So I have hidden a bracelet somewhere in this building. The management has told me you have permission to tear this building apart. Imagine. It's worth one million pounds. Yeah. Uh, just, that is not true, just in case. Anyone is I was burning. ready to tear this carpet up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming out. I want to go to bed. On this final Sunday night. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We absolutely appreciate you being here. Give yourselves a round of applause. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And we've got to say, a, a bunch of you out there have come every, every week for the last four weeks in total. So thank you so much for those people. Especially appreciate you coming back. Um, I mean... We're as surprised as you are. (laughs) Honestly, no, thank you so much. We'd like to give a big round of applause to the European Beer Cafe. To Julio on the sound, thank you so much. We've got Emma and Vinny here up the back filming this thing. Appreciate that. Um, But that, honestly, is all she wrote. All good things must come to an end. So sorry. We have to go die now. What? Huh? (laughs) You signed the contract. <laughs> that got bleak. Sorry. Oh, we've had some fun here tonight, but thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Later. Bye. Well, that was our final live show from the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for 2021. Um, We want to say a big thank you to everybody who came out to see the shows. It was so good to be performing live in Melbourne again. It had been a couple of years, so it was really nice that um, people turned up and were so excited and so lovely. Uh, As you can hear from my voice, uh, I've been a bit sick and uh, I've... Left this to the last possible second, hoping that I would be well enough to do all the Patreon read and everything uh, for this week's episode, but I am not. So we'll probably have to skip that this week, unfortunately. I reckon that might be a first, though. I don't think we've ever just completely skipped it, but I uh, won't get through much without having a coughing fit, and nobody wants to hear that, because even though you know logically germs can't get to you through your speakers, in this current climate, you don't want to hear somebody sick just talking at you for too long. So uh, we will be recording all together again for next week's episode, so we will uh, continue as normal with our Patreon reads, with the fact, quote, or question, with all that fun stuff. Um, but for now, I will just say, again, thank you to the, everybody who came to the live shows. Uh, if you're someone who hates listening to the live shows, but you did anyway, what a trooper you are. Thank you so much. Uh, as always, you can contact us at dogoonpod at gmail.com or at dogoonpod on all the social media sites. You can suggest a topic at any time. Um, the, there's a little link in the show notes. And uh, until next week... I will say thank you and goodbye. Laters. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 